Oh, hello, guys. Did you know that it's the first episode of season three? Happy New Year 2020, doing it right. So today's episode is about failure. <laughs> is that relatable? Because I don't know about you, because I fail all the time. I feel every day a little bit, but every day I get a little smarter. My brain gets a little bit bigger, a little bit wiser. And I'm here with a very special guest, my girl, Becca Clausen, talking about, <laughs> don't, don't laugh yet. It's not, I'm not done inter- introducing you. Um, <laughs> we're talking pretty much about things that go wrong in your career, just a little bit. Try to keep that career in motion through all the success, the failures, the burnouts, the growth and the pitfalls. Welcome, Becca. <laughs> Hello. So happy to be here. Uh, happy to have you. Um, super excited to talk to you for so many different reasons. One, you're badass. Just, just letting you know that. You make really, really cool art that's super unique. And it was interesting when I approached you to interview this podcast. You're like, but I'm not really an illustrator. And I was like, bitch, please. You're an <laughs> illustrator. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I see you drawing sketches and doing things before you're actually making more tangible art. Because Becca does something a little bit more unique where she actually creates things with lettering. It's probably easier if I let you explain it. Like, what do you do for a living? Sure. Um, so I create custom tactile lettering designs for brands and ad agencies, typically used for social media or TV commercials. Um, and I make these in like stop motion video format, GIFs, still images for magazines, book covers, social graphics. Even this year we did a few... Um, event installation backdrop type of things and so I run a studio called so mighty with my husband and an employee that we work with to create this type of work Um, so yeah I work with a lot of making lettering out of food making lettering out of all kinds of random things like nails and tools and crayons and just all kinds of stuff yeah I like I remember there was a time where that wasn't a thing so long yeah. ago. <laughs> and I think I think it was you, the first person I'd ever seen really like make lettering out of things. And I was like, genius. And then I tried to do it. And I'm like, this shit is hard. Oh my God. Like I, I, I first played with coffee and I made the mistake of, of doing that while I was sick. And then I kept sneezing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It was just, it was not a good look. So that was my failure. I feel like I'm going to try this new tactile lettering thing. Failed. And like, so... I've, I need to know, how did you stumble upon that kind of work? Like what made, because that's essentially like your niche, like that's all you do. Yeah. And um, we can talk about it more a little bit later, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about trying to incorporate some additional things, but yeah, we'll get into that later. But um, before I started doing tactile lettering, I was doing more like sketch lettering, digital lettering, that kind of thing. And I am not the first person to do tactile lettering. It's been done by several people before me. Um, One person I remember uh, doing it uh, in a different way, like styled in a different way with Stefan Sagmeister. And I remember seeing a couple years before his his trailer for the Happy film, which was like on Kickstarter. And there were letters out of like banana peels and seeds and uh, cut out of watermelon and... (laughs) I was like in love with it, super inspired by it. And, but I didn't really do anything back then. I think I did like one um, Salt Lake city lettering made out of string and it did not go well. So I didn't, I didn't (laughs) attempt it again for a few years. Um, But yeah, there have, I I don't claim to be the first person to ever do it, but 
Um, I hope that I have elevated um, and influenced the genre of it and and helping encourage other people to try it as well. Because it's really fun to step away from the computer and I fall asleep when I try to vectorize things. So this is my jam. (laughs) Um, But back when I was doing like more digital lettering stuff, like I had been hired recently by like Disney and Mattel to create some lettering for their upcoming Disney princess packaging designs. I'd recently worked with my first ad agency to create a design for a holiday campaign. Um, So I felt like I was like starting to get some traction in that. And I was mainly using like Instagram and Pinterest at the time to show my work. So maybe that work started coming that way. But that year, which was 2014, um, I began my foray, I guess, into tactile lettering as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed working by hand in that way. And after a couple months, I decided I wanted to push it farther or further to try to start getting commercial work for it. So I began trying to create something tactile almost every day, posting to Instagram really regularly. At this time, I was mainly doing like lettering out of flowers, lettering out of food. Um, I think food has been my most popular (laughs) um, material, but I, I like doing a lot of other things as well. Um, in it's addition to oh sorry i was gonna be like it's, <laughs> no, it's fucking impressive you know what i mean like it's just so nice to escape the digital realm like right. even though you're still capturing it digitally obviously but using real life objects i think another reason why there's they are so popular and they were so popular is because we live vicariously through our phones mm-hmm. and so when you see something you feel like you can almost touch it's like so much more engaging i think right in addition to like starting to create and post regularly, I purposefully created designs that used like specific products or specific materials that could be seen as commercial, like hoping mm. that someone would see the work and think like, oh, I could I could see something like this working for the brand that I work with or for my company or whatever, mm. because we all know like people hire you for the type of work they can see. So I wanted them to see that I could do that type of work. Um, yeah. I mean, I really understand that evolution of, of process, right? Like, hey, I found this thing. It's cool. I'm going to do it for fun for, at first. Because I feel like so many artists just immediately try to sell their shit. Right. They're like, uh, and like they haven't even found their voice or their niche or anything yet. They're just like, I like to draw letters. Even if lettering <laughs> isn't even like a niche anymore. It was baby back in like when we b- probably both started like around 2013, 2014. But nowadays it's like, oh, you're a lettering artist. Well, what kind of lettering artist? Like let's, let's, let's branch it out even further. Right. But there's then so many you options. I, it's, it's insane. Like there are some people who just make hand lettered script logos. That's it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So like there's a way to niche down even further for sure. Um, and then going ahead and, okay, I think I found my voice. Now let me try to make the work I want to get hired for. Right. And I think that um, finding your voice is something that's different necessarily than finding your style. And I have been thinking more about this, like as Lisa Congdon's um, book recently came out about um, how to find your artistic voice. And she did a podcast episode with um, on Creative Pep Talk mm-hmm. podcast with Andy J Pizza about this, and then he did an episode by himself about how to find your style. And he gave like real life, like practical things. And he explained in there that your voice is different than your style. The style is the practical things that you use, like um, what sort of lines do you use, what sort of colors do you use, you know, and mm-hmm. breaking down style in in that 
in that way. And voice is, you know, more about who are you as a person and what, what do you promote and how do you show your personality or, or, or that kind of thing coming through and the things that you care about um, through which one your do you style. Think, which one do you think should come first? Oh, that's a tough one. I right? mean, I, I feel <laughs> like it's always sort of evolving. Um, styles can evolve and your voice can evolve too as you get older and learn more and, you know, have more opinions and, <laughs> and I don't know, just kind of learn as you go and become more confident in who you are as you go. Um, but I think that they're both necessary. I think that you can find your voice before you kind of get into a style. And, and I feel like I, I may have started going on this style route before I, I really found my voice. Although I, I feel like finding your voice is, is sort of a, an ongoing process. So, yeah. yeah. That's um, interesting too. Cause like, because you focus on the style first, like that's great for client work, right? Because mm-hmm. like they want you to adopt their voice. It's right. just about you like, hey, you're, you've proven, you have a proven track record of doing this type of project very successfully. So I can trust you. You have less risk for me hiring right. you over like other artists that maybe just have like one or two pieces in the portfolio that are like mm-hmm. tactile lettering. But I wonder what would happen if you like really, really honed your voice and like, because you mentioned that you might do other like kinds of artwork as well, which I definitely want to talk about. Like then I'm just like, oh shit, she's going to explode. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine um, having such a set, like cool fucking style, like whether you do digital or tactile and then having like a really like strong, consistent message on top of it. Like you can't Mm -hmm. be stopped. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm excited about this. (laughs) This is going to be a really exciting episode, guys. You're taking notes. Okay. (laughs) All right. So let's get into the commercial side of things. So you began to get into commercial work just by like trying to get hired by doing free work that looked commercial. Can you explain that process right. a bit more for people who are like trying to dip their pinky toe into the commercial world? Sure. And so it didn't always work, right? Like there was <laughs> <laughs> one time specifically, I I did some work that was not for Larabar, but I really love Larabar's like I'd eat like one per day. So I was a legitimate fan of the company and of the product. So I decided to create a tactile lettering design using one of their products. Um, they they boast like having very few ingredients and they're all like, uh, I don't know, like the cherry pie one has dried cherries, almonds, uh, I can't remember what else, but like four ingredients or three ingredients, something like that. So I used like each of the ingredients, oh, dates as one. So I used... I made the word dates out of dates, like pretty straightforward. I made the word almonds out of almonds. Like it wasn't anything like super elaborate or conceptual. It was just um, <laughs> pretty basic, but I, um, I included the bar in there and took a picture and did a little bit of editing and posted it on Instagram and Twitter and tagged them in it. And they ended up seeing it, liking it and hiring me to create two more designs for some of their other bars and that they use these designs for social media. Nice. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And, and since then, I've been working regularly with brands and agencies. And that was like the beginning of 2014. No, mm-hmm. beginning of 2015, I think that that happened. And but I've also tried that like more towards the beginning. And it didn't work. Like I also really love I tried to do this with brands that I really loved, like foods that I actually loved, like honey bunches of oats with almonds. I love that cereal. Mm-hmm. Me too. So I created some 
splattering out of the cereal and out of honey. And I used the box like in the image and tagged them in it. Nothing came of it. So, you know, that one didn't really work, but <laughs> it was still fun to make. And, you know, something that I can still use like in my personal portfolio or whatever. Yeah. At this point, I probably wouldn't do something like that because I get paid to do things like that. But at the beginning, I felt like it was a very viable way to try to break in. No, because like regardless if Honey Bunches of Oats hired you, like you still have a piece in your portfolio, which is an example of the exact kind of way a client would hire you and what they'd hire you for and what that might look like. Mm -hmm. So it still definitely wasn't a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I feel like so many artists feel very weird about doing that because you're like, oh, I don't want people to think that I got hired for something when I really didn't. I don't want to get in trouble for using like their logo or their product in the in the thing. And what do you think about that? Right. And I, I think back in 2014, end of 2014, beginning of 2015, when I was doing this little like um, project of trying to create a lot of tactile work and post it, it wasn't as much of an issue back then um, as it is now. Fewer brands were on Instagram. But I also think that you just explain it in your caption. Like, For sure. I don't remember what I even wrote in those captions <laughs> if, or if I made it that clear. But if I were to do it now, I would say um, something about how I just <laughs> really love this food and, you know, this is not an ad or whatever. Something yeah. along those lines. Um, that you really are just a fan and want to promote it. But I don't know. Like, it's tough. What would you do? I don't think it matters, to be honest, because like, think of it like if someone does a YouTube, has a YouTube channel where they critique cereals, right. you know what I mean? Like that's their content. You know they what might I mean? not be getting paid by those cereals. Yeah, definitely not. And like now you have, there's like strict rules where you have to say like, this is sponsored, this has a paid partnership, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I think it's t- like the brands are probably just psyched. They're like, hey, free advertising. Right. Like, I like, hey, if anyone buys any Lettershot products, please take pictures of you wearing the products and put them <laughs> on the internet. Thank you so much. Um, so I think, like, th- no one's going to be offended unless you say, hey, I'm straight up lying. I got paid X amount of dollars for this. That would be bad. Right. Uh, that's fraud. You mm-hmm. can get in trouble for that. But, yeah, as long as you're clear, like, hey, I did a fun passion project. Like, I did not get paid for these, although I'd like to be, and then maybe they'll see it, and then maybe they'll hire you or not, but you get a portfolio pieces, like, at the end of it. It's all experience in my eyes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. So, you, it seems like, it's so, in, like, it's so easy to look back, re- like, retrospectively and be like, oh, you know, that it was so easy to get here. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a straight line, you know, nothing bad happens. <laughs> like, can you remember maybe like early on mistakes that you made trying to get into the industry? Um, let's see, early on, I'm trying to think like that was now five years yes. ago. Yeah, five years. Um, since I started doing tactile lettering. God, it doesn't seem like that long, does it though? I know. Like five years. Like I graduated high school over 12 years ago. So it's yeah. just like to think of it like that. It's like five years, psh, it's nothing. Time goes by. I know like people say like they've been doing this for like 20 years or whatever. And I'm like, how can you do anything for that long? Like, I don't know where, <laughs> where I'll be at that point. But um, I think towards the beginning, I'm having a hard time thinking back, but I'm going to keep thinking oh, about it. But some here. other... I was like, I have failures. And then I can tell you about the things that I did <laughs> at the beginning. Like, 
I don't know. Like, I think the biggest thing is I undervalued myself a lot, like really, really hard. Cause you don't know what yes. you're supposed to charge. You feel really awkward about it. I, I like, I don't tell too many people about this, but when I first moved to Portland, originally from Flor- uh, Fort Lauderdale, I really, it's when I first discovered hand lettering, I think it was like 2013, 2014. And I really wanted to do hand lettered logos. You can't pay me money to do a hand-lettered logo now. Like, I hate branding so much. But I did it because I thought it was the only thing that I could get hired for doing Mm -hmm. lettering. Because I was, like, very all about the Sean West at the time. And that was, like, his main bread Mm -hmm. and butter. Um, uh, Which I won't get into. (laughs) (laughs) So much bad advice he gave me. Uh, Yeah. Just, guys, just try things. Don't just do something because someone else told you. Like, try lots of things until you find your thing. Anyways. So I did an Indiegogo campaign. Because Kickstarter wouldn't approve my campaign. So I went to Indiegogo and I did $25 logos. Right? So it was good experience and like practice. And I think I got, my plan was to do 100 logos for 100 days. Well, I got like 30 people (laughs) to do it. Um, And it was still, I'm so glad that more than 30 people didn't do it. It was so exhausting. Like I'm I'm talking like completely hand-lettered, vectored. And like doing anchor points is just not fun. <laughs> like fuck, fuck right. the I pen tool. Do I don't know how people do. I pay people now to do that part because I'm yes. like not having it. Um, and it was a good learning experience because I definitely evolved and I grew really quickly. But when I because I was charging such a small amount, like twenty bucks, um, I wasn't. It wasn't appreciated. So people wanted like crazy amount. It's so funny. Like the cheaper you are the more shit they want to take from you. I don't understand it. They're like, exactly. oh, you're only charging me $25. That means I get five hours of revisions mm-hmm. and I also want an icon for my blog and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, right. that means more money, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't include that. Did you see that as a category on Indiegogo? No, it says no revisions. And then people wanted their money. It was just like so inexperienced. Like as far as skills, yes. But as money and as a business person, fail to the max it was just so embarrassing and that was like my first thing I ever did to try to make money as an artist right and like before when I started getting into tactile lettering like I I got an agent around that time I had tried to get an agent earlier like maybe six months before when I wasn't doing as much tactile lettering and my portfolio was mainly digital lettering and logos and that type of thing um and I couldn't get an agent. I emailed a ton of them. <laughs> and so, I mean, I felt like that was kind of a failure at the beginning. Like, oh, I learned about agents. I didn't even know about them before. And so like, yeah, like I want to get one. That seems great. And mm. I couldn't get one. Um, and so back then, like I was using my own um, contracts. And I feel like one thing I did poorly was not always outline like what what I would be providing or how many Mm -hmm. revisions or whatever and then and then things would get so down the line and I'm like hating it because I've done so many revisions and don't want to be doing it anymore and and they're not paying me enough to be doing it but but I realized I didn't outline it in my original contract so it's my fault right um yeah so I think things like that you you learn as you go but um but later so trying to get an agent at the beginning was kind of a failure, but I did make a couple connections with people, like including the agent that I did later sign with, Snyder, New York. And um, she said to me when I first emailed, like, oh, like it's not really a good time right now, but try back in like six months or something like that. Like she saw some promise, but maybe I overlapped too much with one of the other artists on their roster at the time or Mm. something like that. So 
But when I tried again, like, and I had more tactile lettering in my portfolio to include, she was like, oh, this is different. Um, I reached out to her and some others again, and then they decided they did want to sign me. So I started working with an agent at that time. And so, yeah, so then I, I kind of learned more about how to talk with clients, how to um, email back and forth. And I don't know, just like a little bit more level of professionalism than I had done mm-hmm. like on my own. So that was yeah. a good learning experience. I'm curious. Um, uh, can you, can you walk just quickly walk me through like that agent process? So like, let's, does the, do you just give your agent's email and when someone wants to make an inquiry, they just reach out to them directly and then they work out the contract stuff. Like how does that work with your agent? Um, yeah. So I currently don't have an agent. I, um, since starting our studio, we have been like handling those things on our own. Um, but I did work with Snyder New York for, um, like three and a half years probably. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's how it, that's how it worked. Like if they emailed me, I would get, like, I would loop them in, uh, if the, sorry, if a potential client emailed me, I would loop in my agent and then we would kind of go from there and they would handle like the pricing negotiations and that sort of thing. And we all kind of, like, I, I would talk with them behind the scenes of like, they'd say like, does this feel appropriate to you? And I'd be like, sure. Like that sounds good. Or, Oh, I think maybe we should go a little higher because this one seems more difficult and stuff like that. And then, they would have their contract that they would send out. And so I didn't really have to do much of that paperwork. Although then I would invoice my agent at the end of it. I see. Yeah. So like now that you've experienced both ends of like having an agent and taking care of it yourself, which one do you prefer? Probably the latter, right? Just doing it all yourself with your, with your new. Yeah. I mean, I think I learned a lot through having an agent that has led me to be able to handle it myself. Like if I didn't mm-hmm. have an agent, I probably wouldn't um, understand it as well. So I think that was definitely like something that needed to happen. So I'm grateful for that experience. But yeah, I I am fine doing some of that, like negotiating and paperwork stuff on my own. And I know that some people don't like doing that at all. So an agent works for them. Mm-hmm. I think an agent also helps, um, like depending on your agent, some of them help more with like office stuff or managerial stuff. Um, mine didn't do like so much of that, but I think that there are some that do. So I think it just depends yeah. on what you want to get out of it. So yeah, yeah I, I think I, I think I deviated from like failures and pitfalls. So we can oh, go back no. to that if you want no, to. No, it's, it's totally, no, we're going to talk about failures like a couple times okay, probably. Um, like I just remember, cause I just like to walk people through like, Hey, it's okay to kind of fuck up, mm-hmm. but like, Hey, listen to what we've been through and then maybe you will fuck up a little bit less. Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> Cause like maybe. when I first started out, I think my contract was like half a page long and mm-hmm. now my contract is like eight pages long. Oh. So that shows you. <laughs> and I, I really like what you mentioned was like, Hey, I, it was my fault. Like I wasn't specific enough in the contract. I didn't talk about the scope properly. And so many artists are so quick to blame the clients. Mm-hmm. And it's like the clients are only walking on you because you're letting them. Right. It's like, you're the, prof- you're supposed to be the professional, right? Like they're coming to you. Like they're not designers and artists for the most part. So like, they're really relying on you and your expertise to give them a final result that they're paying good money for. And if you have a specific process and scope and idea of how that's going to work the smoothest, like you need to be able to talk about those things. Right. There was a project that I even had recently that um, I was 
pretty unhappy with working with the client. And even from the beginning, I was like, I just have a feeling this is like going to be a big frustration, but <laughs> you I can always feel it. Yeah. But I like, I didn't have something else going on at the time. Like it was like during like a bit of a slower time. And so during those times, I feel like I can have more leeway into doing some work for a little less than I might normally do it if I'm like during a busy time um, and be a little more flexible in terms of that. Cause I'm like, well, I, I'm not like super busy. So like, I might as well do this one. Um, so I took it on, even though like my gut was telling me no <laughs> and, and my gut was right because it ended up being like kind of a nightmare project. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that was like, I, so I got this stuff approved, like the, the description. And I typically like will send a, a written description before I do any sketches or storyboards just because like, I don't want to waste time mm -hmm. doing a sketch or a storyboard before the, even the concept or or the main like idea is approved. So I'll do a written description and then a sketch. And this time, like I, I feel like I, I got a little lazy in that I had done a written description, sent some images of like, okay, this will be the background image. These will be like the materials I'll work with. But, but for some reason, I didn't do like a full on sketch. I used like kind of a, they, they wanted a specific like font. So it wasn't mm. totally custom lettering. So I, I created a, a several different options of like letter forms that it could be using fonts. And finally, like after more rounds than like I should have <laughs> allowed, like they chose one. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use that font style and make it in these items and they said like okay sounds good so I should have then plopped that font style like into an actual like sketch of like okay how this is how it's going to look with the colors of the items that I'm going to be doing but I didn't do that part so I shot it and sent it to them and got like a really negative response <laughs> and I was like oh no like I what do I do like I can I walk away from this like I Cause I had told them like, well, typically like if you've approved a concept and like a project, this isn't just like a digital lettering. Like this is done, like this is an actual like shoot that's already happened and it would require, require a reshoot, which typically requires like um, adding on to the scope of the project, meaning you pay more to do a reshoot. Yeah. And they like didn't have more budget and she got pretty upset with me for even saying that, which <laughs> I don't think is fair because that's pretty um, typical. She's yeah. like, I've never had anyone say that to me before. Oh, I hate when they fucking say that. Right. Like, you're the first artist to ever stand up for themselves. It's like, right. shut the fuck up. That's not true. Right. You just, no. Nah. Okay, so continue. <laughs> I was like, should I, should I just walk away from this? Like, but then I realized, you know, I... I didn't do all the due diligence I, I, diligence I should have done on my end. Like looking over at the contract again, I was like, I actually didn't send that final image that I should have sent, even though I sent lots of parts of it, I didn't send it all together to give her a really good visual because maybe she's not a visual person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I think I just need to suck it up and reshoot this because I should have sent that and I didn't. 
So I reshot it after, after talking a lot again and sending multiple sketches and getting a sketch approved. And I said like, okay, I'm, I'm going to shoot this. This is what it's going to look like. You can very well see like the visual and I shot it and it looked very, very close to my sketch. And then mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, we're not going to be able to use this. <gasps> um, like, can you just send us like the, the sketch version and like, we'll use that. And so I was so upset. What? Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I reshot this for you and you didn't even like care and you're not even going to use it. So that. Oh, I'm going to throw up a little bit. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's uh, upsetting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, but they still paid me and. That's nice. Um, but it was soul sucking. It's over. And not worth like, it. Sometimes you just have to like suck it up and get through a project. Yeah. I, and because oh. some of it is your fault. And I could have blamed her, which I like complained a little bit about, but. Ultimately, like it was my fault for not originally um, turning down a project that I felt like was going to be bad news. And Mm -hmm. then halfway through to, um, you know, not go with like, okay, I think we just need to cut ties. This isn't going to work out. And ultimately didn't, but I still fulfilled my end of the bargain like twice. So, you know, sometimes crap like that happens. Yeah, that's happened to me like four times. Probably three more times than I needed to happen. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I feel that. Like, I've taken on so many jobs because of dollar signs. Um, like, there was this one pro- – that wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> like, two years ago, maybe even less. I got approached to do this mural. And this was, like, a $30,000 project. Um, they wanted – it was a – I'm not going to get into specifics – because I don't want them to get mad at me. Right. But so they wanted, so they're a nonprofit and they have donors um, and they wanted me to handwrite all of the donors' name on a wall. So, and this was like 100,000 names. This was like, and so when you hear 30,000 and then you hear 100,000 names, you quickly are like, you should have charged way more for that project. <laughs> uh, that's a shit ton of names. Like, are you insane? Yes, I know. So, but to me, that was like the biggest project I ever was offered at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. And I hate doing murals. That shit is manual labor. Right. All right. You're not comfortable in your air conditioned office, like just with your favorite cup of coffee, just hovered over an iPad. No, 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 no. You are dealing with heights, my friend. You are on a goddamn ladder. You have materials that stink and you prop, you don't know what you're doing. Maybe like I did. And I just like, I was like, Oh, I'll just use Sharpie. Like I'll just take Sharpie and I'll do this. Um, and I like hired friends to help me. I like paid for friends to like, people had driven like a couple hours to come meet me to like help me with the installation. Oh, and so they had this really weird idea. They wanted the names first they wanted the names to fill like a, an illustration like a scene and i was like that's not gonna work uh the col- it's not you're gonna be able to read it and they're like okay we'll scratch it and that took like so much time to convince them that was a bad idea <laughs> so i was like okay sweet i'm like victory and then the second they're like okay we want it to look like a flock of birds like you know how like birds in the distance make all these cool like shapes and uh-huh. waves and things and i was like that's a great idea. I'm like, I have no fucking idea how to do that. <laughs> so um, I really like guessed my way through it. And so long story short, we're like day three of installing this thing. And I get a pretty upset email from them. They they don't, this isn't coming out the way that they want it to. And first of all, it would have taken like several weeks for it to start to look the way that they had. But at this point, it was just like a line of wavy names. And they didn't like the style of lettering. That It was just like my handwriting essentially at this point. Uh, not really hand lettered, just handwriting, if that uh-huh. makes sense. And um, and, my, and because I had other people helping me, there were several different styles of handwriting. So it was like 
oh, like I get it. And I had to like bite the bullet. And I literally was just like, well, if you guys want to cancel, I totally understand. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> and right when they hired me, I didn't want to do it. I felt I got a really, really bad vibe. It was for a company that was religious and I'm not, I'm not a religious person. So that made me feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just so many elements of this project, but I'm like, Hey money. And right. I was like, not in a position to turn down money, which is, you know, if you, if you're, if you are looking for client work and you really, really are relying on that client work every month or so on, like you need other sources of revenue. Like mm-hmm. you can't just rely on clients to hire you because there's going to be months where like no one fucking calls you, especially in the beginning. So you have to be prepared. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just such a huge waste of time. It caused me so much stress because you never want to disappoint anybody, especially someone right. who just gave you a deposit of 15 grand. Exactly. So it's just like, and that was like the final straw for me they ended up canceling it they were uh very nice where i was able to keep a part of the deposit just the part just they cover the first couple hours and materials which they totally didn't have to do so like they were pretty kind about that part but that was like the last thing what is is that phrase the last stick in the coffin nail in the coffin yes uh, i'm like i'm never fucking doing a mural ever again i'm never gonna work for (laughs) a company No, I haven't. And I'm never going to work for a religious company ever. I'm not religious. And I'm just like, I'm just not, if I get a bad feeling about a project, I don't care how much I need money. I don't care about Mm -hmm. any of these things. Follow your gut because your gut is usually right. Right. So that's just a really long story of of pain. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Like the amount of stress that it causes just so isn't worth any amount of money. Right. Although sometimes it's hard to know because I have gotten some inquiries before where I already had a lot on my plate and I was like, I don't know how we're going to schedule this all in. Like, how are we (laughs) going to fit everything? And this was like a really busy time, which like you said, it's not always busy and don't think that it always is. But Mm -mm. this particular time was really busy and I, I didn't want to turn it down because it was for a like well-known brand and a company I would have been proud to work on. But I, I felt like the the agency I was working with at the time was like so particular. They wanted like so many details up front and me to do like um, early shoots, like lighting testing and testing with like the props before I actually did the shoot. And so all of the pre-production was like super intense. So I, I felt like, oh, this is going to be bad news. Like I shouldn't, we shouldn't have taken on this project. And, but then like they ended up coming out for the shoot and it went really smoothly because we had done all that pre-production work Mm -hmm. and it was like one of the highest paying projects I've worked on as well so and I was ready to turn it down just because I was like we have too much going on like I can't handle it my brain like will explode (laughs) um but in the end like I was really glad we did it it turned out really well and I was proud of the work that we created And I was like, I'm really glad that I didn't listen to my worries earlier. Um, So I guess sometimes it's hard to know. Well, I think the common thread with both of our stories, especially the one you just took, is we both had a gut feeling that something was wrong. And only the time that you over-prepared is when it worked out. Right. Because both our stories have something in common where I didn't really do – I didn't give them any sketches. I didn't really go over – and like, and try to give them an example of what the flock of birds would fucking look like, mm-hmm. or what style of lettering I was even going to use. And like, you didn't give them the sketches beforehand, so you right. ended up doing a shoot twice that I didn't even fucking want. That's because <laughs> we didn't do our jobs properly, right? You know what I mean? So it's like, 
I do think if you have anxiety or nervous about a project, or maybe you don't have a lot of experience doing client work, like just try to be over prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Oh, look at us learning things learning. together. <laughs> together. Okay. I love it. <laughs> okay. So do you remember that first initial feeling of like, I've made it, things are going really well for me right now? Um, that one, I mean, the first initial feeling, it's tough because I feel like the ceiling for what is successful changes as you go along. Um, but like that Larabar project at the beginning of 2015, like I felt really successful when I got that because my attempts had worked. Like I'd landed a commercial job doing what I wanted to be pursuing. Um, but then again, like I still had a long way to go and a lot to learn. And I like wasn't able to um, do that full time at that point. Um, like wasn't able to quit my job and do that because that was like the first commercial project mm-hmm. I'd gotten doing that. Um, but I still felt successful because I had hit some goals. Like, wow, I made this happen. Like, I think that means I can still do it. Uh, so that was one feeling, but I mean, I'm sure there were some successful feelings along the way, like before that, even like when a client likes the project that you create, um, that feels successful. Cause you're like, Oh, I did it right. Like I made something that people like and are happy with. Um, but when I was hired to create a stop motion video for Starbucks, which when was that? Um, I think it was like early 2017. I felt successful then because that was like a brand I'd really wanted to work mm-hmm. with. Um, when I, so I had a baby in March of 2016 and like I, completed my first shoot after that, like a month later, like I felt successful about that because mm-hmm. I was able to like still work and create while being a mom. And so I think that there are, are so many feelings of success for various reasons. Um, but I think it's important to always recognize them like mm-hmm. along the way. And I'm trying to think of some others. Like when I was hired to create my first like magazine cover or book cover, I felt really successful then because although like editorial work is usually a lot cheaper or like um, lower rates than commercial Mm -hmm. work or advertising, like I felt successful because it's like, oh, I did the cover of a magazine or that was like something I'd always wanted to do. So I don't know. I think the feeling of success is so weird because like, I don't know if I'll ever feel successful all the time and I don't think I ever should feel successful like as like as we mentioned like yeah definitely like recognize the times where you should be proud of yourself there are times that you should pat yourself on the back but I do think that you have to keep your ego in check Mm -hmm. because I've definitely been called out a couple times for being a a dick on the internet (laughs) like I'm not like here's an example right all right so this is where I learned the difference between being cocky and confident all right so confidence is believing in yourself right? Yeah. Confidence. Okay. Yeah. Being cocky is when you believe you could do it better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I was streaming on a platform called Twitch. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's like originally a gaming platform, but there's like, there's a creative section, Adobe's on there. You can watch uh, artists in real time make stuff. And I was really into it at the time. And it really helped me with like my public speaking abilities. Cause believe it or not, I have so much anxiety. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it, right? It's cause I'm in my safe place surrounded by my <laughs> weed and my, and my happy, uh, I got my enamel pins right here. I got a bunch of, cl- I got my cool posters. I got this cool brick wall that makes me feel like I live in New York city, but I live in a small town in Michigan. You know, <laughs> 
what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. safe here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let me tell you about this story. So I'm, I'm streaming on Twitch and I'm making graphics for my, my homepage. And I decide to make, no, I, I do this thing that says number one hand lettering artist on Twitch. It's kind of like number one dad, mm-hmm. right? Like number one head laundering artist. So I didn't think anything of it. And I post it and I get all these comments like, oh, is there a ranking system? Like, where's the link? You're the number one hand lettering artist. And then I got a couple of uh, messages from like other people <laughs> that were yelling at me like, how dare you? And then they were like sharing it. Like, oh, look how cocky Dina's being. And I like lost a bunch of followers. Oh, no. And it like, and I had some people like return items from my shop because these other women were like so much more popular than I. They're like, how? And I was just like, oh my God, that's not what I meant. Holy shit. You really think like, I'm like, I'm the best artist in the world. They're like, no, I just mean, I mean like, uh, it was more of a, a joke. So I changed it to like the awesomest artist on Twitch because uh-huh. trying to make it like seem a little bit less like a ranking system. And also there weren't a whole lot of lettering artists on Twitch. I think there was like three of us. So it was like. It's like, come on, you guys just can't give this to me. Um, and that was like a huge lesson learned. It's like, you have to be careful. Like you can't let shit go to your right. head. Even if you, you really have to think how people might interpret your work. Um, yeah. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> well, I love that you're able to talk about it. Yeah. I'm um, fine. My therapist and I have worked really so hard on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, stuff like that can be hard, but I, I do think like if you if you feel like you've learned all you can, like, I don't, I don't know that successful, like feeling successful in everything means like, oh, I'm, I've, I've made it like I, I'm at where I want to be. Because Mm -hmm. like I said, that, that ceiling, like always is increasing. It's always rising. Like you, you meet some level and then you like want the next level or you want to, you've done something. So you want to try something new. Um, Totally. But I, I think that once you feel like you've learned everything, you're you're kind of done like there won't be (laughs) more improvement if you're not if you're not willing to like be a lifelong learning student you know like feel like you can always learn something from someone else I've I definitely do recognize times recent times where I'm like I don't need to learn that program like I don't need to like learn this new app or this new social media platform and I'm like recognizing it in myself already like when um what is that fucking website app called? So like everyone's using Procreate, right? Uh-huh. I cannot learn Procreate to save my fucking <laughs> life. Okay. I don't know if my iPad is just broken, but like I drag that little color dot all day long to my art and it does not color. And I do not, I'm like, how do I add color? Like, I don't know what to do. And I like watch like vi- hours of videos. I couldn't figure it out. And then now everyone's using, what is it called? Adobe something? Fresco. Fresca, which looks really, really cool, but I'm so intimidated by it because I'm like, oh, do I really have time to learn this new thing on top of like having a podcast and then releasing new artist shirts with Women of Illustration and then also posting five times a day on Women of Illustration and also running my own business and releasing new products and working with clients. I'm not, I'm fine. You know what I mean? And yeah. I like get so crazy, but I have to remember like I have to constantly keep learning in mm-hmm. order to just be at the same level. <laughs> I think it's also good to pick and choose like I I happily admit that I hate Bezier curves and vectorizing and Mm -hmm. um, all of that and and that's okay like I know Illustrator pretty well and I use it a lot but I don't want to use it for certain things that (laughs) other people like like to use it for Mm -hmm. and and that's like creating lettering 
like retracing, like recreating all your lettering with new curves and not doing like advanced live trace stuff, you know, like some people would be like, Oh, you do that. But I'm like, I don't care. Like I don't have to do it the same way you do. And that's okay. Like I don't have to learn all the exact right ways to use a bezier totally curve and anchor points and that's okay like you can learn you can you can choose to learn things that you think will benefit you and if something just doesn't work for you that's okay you don't have to learn everything I needed to hear that thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) like uh I remember the first time I taught like a digital lettering workshop and I told people that I'm like I just use live trace and I literally heard people in the crowd go, ooh. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, ew. Like, you use Live Trace? I'm like, yeah, bitch, it's a great feature. If it wasn't a good feature, they wouldn't have that feature in the program. Right. Um, I mean, advanced Live Trace works slightly better than just yeah. like regular Live Trace. But some well, artists advanced. just don't vectorize their work at all. Like, mm-hmm. um, and just use raster images or our large Procreate images saved out and you know and it works for them and for for the way that they do their work and that's fine mm-hmm. <sighs> all right are you ready for a conversational pivot yeah let's do it all right so we're talking about the the rocky road of being an artist so we've talked about ups and downs and success and failures but let's talk about people who are trying to cheat huh <laughs> fucking fuckers man <laughs> like i'm so good with words fucking fuckers man <laughs> uh let's talk about like copycats and competitors in your niche like how do you deal with i mean because you weren't the person who like created tactile lettering like I, i'd seen it in like early 1930s magazine article like you know what i mean but like there are so many people i think you and a couple other artists really made it more predominant so like what like are there people who just like straight up rip you off um, you know what, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, I am not a malicious person. I am not a dishonest person. And so I just assume like other people are just doing their best and trying to be the same too. So if I ever see something that like looks very similar to something I've done, just like, whatever, man, like, <laughs> who cares? I think that people talk a lot about copycats. Um, and I like slightly annoyed by all of the talk lately if there's like a direct <laughs> rip direct rip off like I know people like straight up copy your exact images mm-hmm. um and try to use those or sell them which I think is something totally different um, yeah that's just straight if, up copyright infringement right if you're creating something good people are gonna try it or people are gonna try doing something better um this is like everyday occurrence of the competitive market right in every industry it happens So like I hear, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, like if you're good at what you do, great. (laughs) Like if someone is better than you at a particular style or comes up after you, but creates better work, then you have a chance to improve or try to stay on top. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, for example, like Gemma O'Brien, right? Like Mm -hmm. she creates these like masterpiece illustrations with like, typography illustrative typography stuff and I've seen a lot of people um mimic some of her styles uh or try to do something similar which is great like I think I think there's a something to be said for um trying to you learn by um you learn by copying things 
Like that's how people have learned art from, you know, for centuries. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think trying to do something that's so exactly similar and like calling it your own, I think that's when it gets a little tough, but for Gemma O'Brien, like I see people try to do like similar styles, but I still think Gemma's is always better. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, And so like she stays on top in that. Although I think some people um, can still get work doing something similar and, Mm -hmm. and that works and that's great. I think there is something to be said for reasons that other people get hired for jobs, um, not based on their work alone or who started a particular trend. Like people get hired Mm -hmm. because of their connection sometimes or relationships. People get hired because like, their particular style of doing something might be slightly different from someone else's, their personality, maybe because they have an agent and that agent has connections Mm -hmm. or they get hired because like their price point works better with a particular project. Um, So like if someone gets hired for a job instead of you, it doesn't always mean that like it comes down to price or that person must have priced so low for the project Um, and that's the only reason they got it. But I think there are several other factors to like take into account. Um, like if someone becomes more professional in their standard of work, like their prices will likely and should increase. But if someone's coming in after them has a lower standard or lower quality of work, Mm -hmm. like I'd expect their rates to be lower. And I think this fulfills like all the needs of the marketplace, right? Like there are the higher quality goods and the lower quality goods and people buy both of them. Yeah. Um, but clients looking for really professional and experienced work for high budgets and they're those looking for something less. So I don't know. I feel like it all kind of fits in there, but, um, need a drink of my water. Yeah, if I can drink some water. Yeah, (laughs) the podcast will do that. No, um, everyone in the audience, let's all take a sip of of our coffees and water. Everyone hydrated. All right, come on. So I don't know. I think sometimes like people may have been given like art direction that drives them too close to another source, whether Mm, or not they know it. That happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think artists like art directors like should do their due diligence as well. Like I don't think that that means they have to always hire the artist that um, created a particular style or mm-hmm. anything like that. I don't, I don't, do you think it means that? Like, I really don't think that they always have to hard, like hire the person who created no, the style. No, not at all. I mean, like, you have to recognize this is a business, okay? Like, I know we're, like, being an artist is a very emotional job. You have to have a certain amount of empathy to, 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 to be proficient at it. But with that being said, like, this is a competitive market. You know what I mean? You have to understand there's people who are more expensive than you, worse than you, better than you, have more experience than you, and you all have a right to the marketplace. So it's like, I used to think, you know, people who were on Craigslist or people who had Fiverr accounts and stuff were like somehow beneath me, which is such a (laughs) fucked up thing to think. You know what I I mean? I got a job. I think the first like lettering project I tried to do for a client was like something I found on Craigslist. It was yeah, probably like a hundred dollars, ninety dollars. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's better than my twenty-five dollar logo. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't. And I, and I think that's because I listen to certain people's advice a little bit too much. 
<clears throat> Sean West. And I really, uh, you know, it like fucked me up for a long time where I thought I had this like sense of entitlement to my work. And it's like, no, we all have to start somewhere. Like, of course, when you first start out, you're not going to charge as much. And some people like they practice like a motherfucker and they have crazy skills and they've only been doing it for a short time, mm-hmm. but they don't have that much like client experience or product experience or anything like that. So they still could be every good as you aesthetically, right. but they just charge less. So it's like, you have to be a little understanding of all those things. Um, but with that being said, I do feel like art directors put us in really awkward positions sometimes where they're like, hey, like I've been approached before and they're like, they only show me Lauren Holmes work. <laughs> and they're like, we want you to draw like Lauren Holm. I'm like, no, first of all, I don't draw like her. And this is when she had like, she only drew like one style for like mm-hmm. two years. So it was like, it was really identifiable as like her style. Now she's like all over the place, like most lettering artists just playing with script and non-script and all these things. But this is a time where she was doing her daily dishonesty series. Mm-hmm. And th- those were all in the same fucking typeface. So it's like, I'm like, if I do this, it's going to look like I'm straight up ripping her off. And I turned down the project because it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. So at, like there are certain things where like you have to feel out if the project is kind of like a little too like that's fucked like just hire lord home like don't right like why hire, <laughs> why are you hiring me like like so. i don't want to be the craigslist to lord home please 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 yeah um so i you know what i mean so you have to kind of like balance the the approach or like like what i should have done in that situation instead of just turning it down is i should have just offered them a different viewpoint i was like well actually yeah. i don't think that style is appropriate for all audiences or for all subject matters what if we approach what if i gave you more options to maybe make the project better and or, then i could have gotten yeah. that project like uh-huh so dumb yeah just... or if you say like and this is something lauren actually has said on her her new podcast is if like she's received someone else's work on a brief with none of her own she asked the client can you please pull some examples from my portfolio um that you feel like would be a good fit rather mm-hmm. than using someone else's and i feel like this is a like it's just good practice i think for an art director to pull examples from work uh from the portfolio of the person that they are trying to inquire about right so Mm -hmm. like they might have to create a couple custom briefs to send to people but I feel like that just probably works a little better um and I mean luckily like I feel like towards the beginning like some years ago I received different work or like a variety of people's work on briefs but over the past few years like I've only seen examples of my work which I appreciate Mm. um but yeah, I love that Lauren will ask that of clients. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a right of an artist to ask. And I think that would be helpful because not only like it helps avoid overlap, but it also helps expectations of the client. Like if those people came to you for that, like you want them to know, like, this isn't really the style I do. Um, if you look at my work and choose something or choose some examples, like that will give you a better expectation of what to expect. Like if someone came to me saying like they wanted this like super vectorized lettering, I'd be like, why are you hiring me for this? Like, (laughs) this isn't really like what I focus on, although I can do it. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't be like my strongest thing. Like earlier this year, or was it the end of last year? I can't remember. Um, Some agency came to me like asking to do like some digital lettering in the shape of something specific. And I was like, I mean, like I could do that, but I don't really care to focus on that right now. Um, So I suggested my friend Stefan Kuhn's instead. And I think he, he, he told me that it ended up being like 
a really huge project for him. Like it just kept like growing and growing and like more deliverables. And so that ended up being a great thing. And it would have turned out probably a lot differently if I had taken it on. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it worked out. So, yeah. So like, I I think, you know, as a a bonus tip, I think if you're an illustrator and you're working commercially, I think it's a good idea to have a list of artists that you can recommend. Um, This is something that like, what do you think about this? Like, let's say someone contacts you and they want to do a project and maybe they can't afford you, or maybe you think that someone might have a, you know, a better approach to it. Do you think it's okay to be like, oh, I'm sorry, this didn't work out, but here are some other people you might be interested in in checking into. Oh yeah. I think it's always good if you turn down a project to recommend at least like one other person, like even like I've recommended Ade Hogue for several tactile lettering pieces um, or projects. Like if I haven't been able to take them on or like in the timeline or um, have too much on my plate, or if the budget doesn't work for me, um, not that I assume like a lower budget would work for him, but I'm just like, Mm -hmm. well, here's someone like you could reach out to, to see. Um, so he and I are friends and we both do tactile lettering. Um, so I recommend him for projects that I can't take on. So sometimes it leads to stuff. I've recommended Joseph Alessio for some as well. So I love him. Yeah. Met him. He's very handsome. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I met him the first time, first of all, I was, I just assume everyone's crazy tall. I just assume everyone's just like a giant. And then when I meet them, I'm like, oh, you're like a normal sized person. Like that's crazy. Right. I think I people like, realize that I'm taller in person than they You look might like you're thought. tall in real life. What? How tall are you? 5'8". Uh, five, eight. Five, eight oh, I am one inch taller than oh, you. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so I don't know why that's a point of pride. Like I can reach a shelf <laughs> slightly better than you. Like slightly who fucking better. cares? Uh, Dina, be confident, not cocky. Be confident, not cocky. Okay. Anyways. Um, Can you yeah. learn anything? I know, Jesus, fuck me. Um, so, okay, so copycats and competitors. Now, do you have people who straight up just steal your work? Like, oh, hey, Becca made this cool thing. And by the way, I said her last name wrong, just so you guys know. <laughs> it's not Kloss and it's Clayson, which is a way better sounding last name. Yeah. Just so, just, you, just so you know that, Becca, that your, I, the way you. that your name is supposed to be said is better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it just, but, it's like Jason, Mason, you know, those, those don't have Ys, but they sound like they do. I'm just like Clausen. I don't know. Actually, makes... people always say Clausen or Classen. Really? I'm like, I don't, I mean, my, so that's my married name. My maiden name is Foster and nobody ever mispronounced that name. Um, <laughs> And you'd think like Clayson is like an easy enough name, but people say it wrong all the time, but it's cool. It's fine. Yeah. People say Dinah a lot. And I'm like, why would anyone fucking call their kid die? Like, that's a horrible, like no one's called. I mean, I'm sure there's a few people actually called Dinah, but it just bothers me. You know so that much. song? Like someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Oh, fuck that song. That makes me <laughs> mad. Cause there's, there's Tina, there's Gina. It's not Tina, that's right? True. It's not Gina. <laughs> Good thing. Mu- Right? It's Dina. Dina. Yeah, that's um, true. Drives me nuts. Or they'll use a Q. Like, I just realized this uh, last week that my CPA misspelled my last name for my taxes. Rodriguez. Yeah, he, they put a Q instead of a G. I just noticed it. I was like, oh. I'm like, this is why I'm having issues because I'm getting like weird mail. I'm like, God damn it. I feel <laughs> like you like, should give me a refund. This is a very um, common Hispanic last name. Like, <laughs> G-U-E-Z. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. It happens. Names. Uh, it's the same reason why I'm like, Dina, why'd you put letter shop with two P's and an E? No one's going to fucking spell it right. They're just going to use one P, like how shop is said, you know, whatever. Shoppy. Um, 
<laughs> Shoppy. I, I, I honestly, the only reason I'm called Letter Shop is because with just one P was taken. That's really, there was no more thought <laughs> than that. I just really wanted that to be my name. And hey, it works. There you go. Yeah. I'm not changing it now. Um, so we've talked about copycats, competitors, all the things, but I'm sure you get this. I get this all the time where people just straight up steal my work or they trace it or like, it's not like, it's clearly derivative. Mm-hmm. What do you do in those situations? Um, I feel like that hasn't happened very much to me because people oh, have good. a harder time, like tracing tactile work. Yeah. But there have been some times where I see that like, the same materials were used in like a same style. But I don't know, to be honest, I know people care a lot about this, but like, I just don't really care that much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I'm still, I'm still getting work and I'm still trying to do better. And um, I don't know. I just think competition is a good thing. Like it keeps people improving. It keeps you pushing the envelope. Like direct overlap is not a good thing, but I don't know. It's imp- yeah. it's important to try to do something that like makes your work your own. Like I tried to start doing elaborate stop motion lettering animations when other people who were doing some tactile lettering like weren't doing much motion mm-hmm. like if at all. Um, and one thing I I'm interested in starting is sort of combining illustration with tactile Yay. lettering. So I want to experiment some on that, but. I have yet to I like I've I've done like some digital lettering with tactile lettering but I haven't really done um more designy stuff or or made the focus the illustration with some tactile so I think I could like push it a little farther so we'll see about that please Um, please make I don't even care what food you use it can be any food just say Cheetos (laughs) I want you to make a Cheeto man who eats himself and then he disappears and make like a cool little gif or something like like when you include illustration in there especially with stop motion it's like holy shit like yeah that's a whole other thing like that's a whole other niche and i know when i started to expand to illustration like my shit 10x immediately really? it was like almost within two weeks yeah where i got way more client inquiries because i'm doing stuff like before just doing lettering like obviously there's a lot more people who need honestly illustration more so than they need lettering because mm-hmm. they just think oh i'll just use typography but if you can do bonus, if you do like both, it's like, holy shit. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm excited to see you illustration <laughs> a bit more. I feel like my, well, even like at the Letter Rest Retreat in September, I did like an opening talk, like welcome talk type of thing. And one thing I, I did in there was mention like things that I knew I was not, but I wish I were. And then things that mm-hmm. I actually was. And one of those things that I said I was not was an illustrator. And mm-hmm. But it's something that I like want it to be. So kind of part of this is like, okay, how can I improve my illustration skills? How can I prove myself wrong and Mm -hmm. be something that I want to be that I feel like I can't or that I feel like I haven't been? Um, But yeah, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'll probably start with like still images, (laughs) illustration with tactile. I'm like, can you do something crazy? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. I don't know. Um, But for... I don't know. Competitors and copying. I, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I feel like it's a good thing to, to talk about and a good thing to have a handle on and I guess an opinion on and and know how you Mm -hmm. might handle it if it ever happens to you. Um, But I think there's also something 
to be like from the the opposite of like being accused of that and oh it's the worst and not feeling like that's the truth or not mm-hmm. feeling like someone has a full picture or really even knows or understands you I think that it feels very unfair and especially like leading as someone with personal experience in this matter <laughs> um it like like you said with the twitch thing like people started on following you or saying like mean things about you and in my experience like people rallied around me I think people not that it had to be like you had to take sides or whatever but I found like there was a lot of support for me and I think I think one of those reasons was because people really do like my work and think that I do have a unique take or perspective on it um, Mm -hmm. or create quality work and so I think that I mean I hope that my work speaks for itself Mm. and so I don't know like I think you just yeah, I don't know what else. Oh, I mean, to say like, about e- that. even with like, um, I, honestly, I have so much to say about the topic. I'm just waiting for you to stop. I'm like <laughs> waiting for the pause. I'm like, I can make, I can make this conversation go up forever. Um, but like, honestly, what you said earlier, like, even if someone used the same exact objects as you on the, on a similar background, let's say it's a wood background or something like a cutting board for like in, in a similar style, like it's still a completely fucking different piece. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't own script. You don't own cutting boards. You don't own like pickles i don't know i just thought of a random thing like so other so like in that case it's it's so hard for people to straight up rip you off but if they're like okay i'm literally using the same materials in the same style in the same phrase then it's like like, right when it's it's blatantly obvious and i and i think no matter what and i always like what you said earlier as well like i try to give people the benefit of the doubt like even people straight up trace my work or or put it on a t-shirt like as is i give them the benefit of the doubt i know it's some junior designer that found it on google or pinterest Mm -hmm. and doesn't understand what usage rights are and just stole it and the person who's selling it or person who's running a social media account they don't fucking know but that junior designer three years ago did like they had no idea Mm -hmm. so i wish you know i think it's important to try to handle things privately always first Mm -hmm. you don't want to like call someone out with and you could be totally wrong so like I have an example. So like women of illustration, there was this one illustration of this girl. It was her butt and she had jeans on and she had flowers coming out of her pocket. And it said something, there was like some lettering on it. And then we do a caption that's like always with a pocket full of sunshine or something like that. And this girl decides to call out women of illustration saying that we straight up stole her illustration. And like, I don't think they fully understood that like it wasn't our work. Like we're featuring other artists <laughs> and the other artist is like, first of all, and she's like, Oh, they even stole the caption from my piece. It's like, it was a fucking coincidence. You do not own pocket full of sunshine. I mean, it's a phrase. Yeah. It's a phrase. And also like plenty of people draw flowers coming out of pockets. Like that's not an original idea. You know what I mean? Right. And it wasn't even the same angle or it wasn't the same color palette or any of those things. And the artist even gives attribution to the picture that she referenced from it. Mm-hmm. in her original post and that girl made such an ass out of herself but you have to keep in mind that all of her followers straight up think that we're thieves oh yeah and we stole that shit from her because they're only hearing one side of the story right so we lost followers mm-hmm. right i lost patrons for women of illustration yeah. over something that wasn't even true right so like it's I, th- like, I think that ugh. people yeah it's super frustrating and i know exactly how you feel um because there are two sides to every story and people will believe what someone tells them if they don't know that other person, um, which is unfortunate, but like, it's just how people are. Like, I don't blame anyone for that. Mm. Like, um, 
but like you said, like if you're going to make, for example, some Thanksgiving piece, right? You'll probably mm-hmm. use like mashed potatoes and gravy in there. Yeah. Like some of those things are just like coincidence. Um, and that just unfortunately sucks. But some of that, sometimes that just happens. Um, but I think for, I think you can also like find things for anybody. Like I could go into someone's account and be like, hmm, like I used like what's something that I've done that's similar to what they've done. Like I could find a, they cropped this image like similarly to one that I cropped and, (laughs) or like, wow, this flourish like is close to some flourish that I made one time. Um, And (laughs) like you could, you could like try to say like, this person copied me doing this stuff. But whereas like some of those things just happen and you know, like if you're working in the same medium or similar type of style, like that will, there will be some more overlap than others. So yeah, I mean, it's still important, like differentiate (laughs) yourself and do your best work, but like also make it legible and make it have good coloring and good contrast. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, all of that stuff. So anyways, we can just, the the main reason I wanted to bring up like copycats and stuff is because we're talking about like the growth of being an illustrator Mm -hmm. and like the failures and the successes. And I think it, I think like there's a couple of like key elements, all like key takeaways from what we're talking about. It's like, Hey, focus on your voice and your style first. Like I totally understand if you want to explore and practice using other people's work, but don't post it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Don't use it to get client work. Yeah. Like, that's you know don't sell it like don't do anything illegal that like i can like i can legally send you an invoice for stealing my work and if you don't pay it take you to collections i have every legal right to do that yeah so it's just like just be careful you don't want to fuck up your uh your reputation before you have one exactly and if you are going to use reference like there's so many stock sites guys like I use, like I, I've gotten to the point where like my references only come from stock sites because like I've, you know, used a model that was popular on Instagram as a, a thing. And then I had a post deleted because she reported it for copyright infringement. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think that was not okay. And I, and I totally changed her face and stuff and like made it my own, but she could, it still looked too similar to that photo that she took. And then also the photographer who took that picture contacted me. So it's just like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm stealing from all different kinds of people today. Fuck me, you know? Right. And then you feel probably like ashamed and like, what did I do wrong? And like, I feel such an, like such an idiot. And I think that there is some learning for everybody in that, like, as you, as you're starting out and doing some, some of these types of things, like you, you learn as you go and you learn what's acceptable and what's not and what some rules are. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean. If, if you do something that is uh, stealing from someone or copying directly from someone, like, I think you do the right thing and, like, apologize, take it For down, sure. whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, there have been, like, there's one video I made. I think it, it was, like, announcing my son's birth. It's, like, a stop motion video. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, it had... He was like in the middle of it, his name and his weight, or I can't remember his birthday, whatever, some stuff like that were there. And like I animated it somehow. And um I 
I didn't like really realize I didn't I didn't um tag like Tommy Perez at the time but he was like an inspiration for that piece because he had done a birth announcement Mm -hmm. with a similar layout but I did it really I felt like I did it really differently like Mm -hmm. I used I put my kid in like a similar spot and put some like stats of the kid but his was all like paper craft and mine was all like tactile stuff like I lettered it out of string and Mm -hmm. did an animation of it and used like different like colors and like the visuals were all like different but then Mm -hmm. like at a later point I realized crap like that I probably should have like mentioned like that was even though it didn't look like exactly like his or even so close like someone could say like oh that reminds me of the one Tommy did even though it looks like really different but I probably still should have said something. So later on, I added to my post, like mm-hmm. inspired by Tommy Perez. But like, you know, that sometimes the damage is already done yeah. on that. And so whatever, you just do your best and learn from it. Like I would do it differently if I were to do it now than I did at that point. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's usually all people want is attribution. That's really like, I had one... Uh, one girl that I drew as a, a model and I, I drew her profile picture. So like you, if you knew of this person, like you knew that this is who it was. Cause like, that's her main image that she used. And she didn't care that I drew her. She, she loved the piece. The only thing that she had an issue with was the fact that I didn't credit her as the mm. model. And that's yeah. it. And then she had like a friend of hers, like shame me on the internet and like had all these people like commenting mm-hmm. and like it got to the point where they were commenting on every person who ever commented on my account, telling oh, no. them to unfollow me and that I'm a thief. I'm just like, oh my God. And like the first time I posted it, I credited her. And the second time I posted, I credited her. And then the third time I forgot to. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, there was like no malice or anything in it. I just, right. just, I, I think artists should repost their art. You spend time on it. You should repost it. Mm-hmm. And I just forgot. And like, because of that one little thing, I got in trouble. So it's just like, wouldn't, wouldn't doubt just, yeah. just inspired by, or I drew this character or I drew this model that just give just everyone just wants credit. That's it. Right. And don't hide it. Like put it above the fold, like put it before the read more link so that I really can't complain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just like, as you're growing and you're learning and going through all these experiences, like follow your gut. You know, don't try, don't do fucking anything illegal. If you feel weird doing it, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. End of story. Um, But also like give yourself a break. Like you're always going to want to grow faster than you actually can grow. You're always going to want more followers than you have. You're always going to want more money than you have. And that's okay because that's the human experience. Mm -hmm. If we all had exactly what we wanted all the time, we'd all be very dull, very boring, very sad human beings. Mm -hmm. Because like without the chase, without the journey... Like, it's kind of not fun. Like, you just took all the excitement out of life. So it's like, this all of your insecurities are actually a good thing. Um, <laughs> so I want to kind of wrap up this episode. We've been talking for a little bit over an hour, and there's so many other things I want to talk about. So let's skip and let's talk about Letter West. Let's do it. Letter West. Okay, so explain to everyone what Letter West is. Hey, so Letter West is something I created it is it started out as a lettering retreat for lettering artists um and this year or i guess when this airs it will be last year so june 2019 i put on the first letter west conference it had um 200 over 200 attendees and like around 15 speakers and instructors and it's like catered specifically to lettering artists so it's like the only conference like that in like north america typism is in australia and that's also 
a conference catered to lettering people. Um, and then there are also like design conferences, typography, calligraphy conferences around, but this one specifically for letterers. So I, it's something that I wanted, I wished it existed. And so I created it myself. Yeah, so, I was so yeah. jealous when you started this thing. Like <laughs> I was, I remember when, like when you were doing, cause you did a full on conference, but before you've done like these really cool retreats. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I saw it, um, like, first of all, you always have killer fucking people at all these events. Like to talk, like the first year of Letter West Conference, it was like, hey, do you know every single popular lettering artist that's ever inspired you? Well, they're all going to be here. And I was like, <laughs> how the fuck did she do this? This is amazing. But I remember like right when you did it the first year, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do something like that. Like where it's it's less about like, here, let me tell you an inspirational story. But it's like, hey, let's get to know each other. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's all, it's like a one long sleepover. And then you right. had like events that you have like kayaking or something or like yoga or something like that the Uh first year so the first one um lauren hom and Gemma o'brien came to speak and teach workshops and so they each did a talk they each did a workshop and then we also did like a morning hike we had morning yoga like down by the lake and we went and hung out at the lake one day as well um and then we eat like all our meals together and have like a party and stuff like that so by the end like there's just like a really good sense of camaraderie and um, I, I wanted it to be like you get to create a network with other people who really understand what you do and also you get to meet and hang out with people who you're really inspired by. So you get to not only create um, friendships with peers but also relationships with like industry leaders. Oh. So awesome. I don't know if you know this, but I, I tried to make my own lettering conference. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me uh, about it. Tell me okay, more. Okay, but it was a lettering conference of Justina. Okay, let's put it that way. Because I couldn't get anyone else to do it with me. <laughs> and there was a couple people that were supposed to be it with, with me, but it didn't end up working out. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. So I called it Lettering Weekend, oh, right? That sounds and it fun. was Yeah, so it, Wacom sponsored it. Whack them, whatever the fuck they mm-hmm. call themselves. Even the employees don't know what they're fucking called. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and they were—they've always been really nice to me. Like they paid for the food. Uh, I didn't have to pay anything for to have the event there. They're just really cool about it. And it was a two-day event. It was like a marketing, a marketing, <laughs> a marketing and a making day. Uh, I think like twenty people came. It was like a very small endeavor. I had no, I had never thrown an event like this before. So it was like, I was like, 20 people, yeah. Um, it was quite expensive because uh, mm-hmm. it was like a really in-depth, <laughs> like I spent so much time making this thing. And I, I have so much respect for you because that was just me, man. It was just me. And I was in charge of my time and what I taught. I can't even imagine the amount of work that goes into like, like la- last year's uh, <laughs> Letter West conference of like having all those speakers <laughs> and all those events. And then you're also having like a, a day where people are like selling their merch and stuff and then you have like don't you have like there's like meet and greet events and like all these different things like I don't know how do you have like a team of people helping you or is it just you doing it (laughs) um well I I should preface this by saying like putting on letter west conference last year like I felt like I I might die (laughs) (laughs) all right so you're human good to know (laughs) But but I made it through um probably should have like gone to therapy after because of all the stress and anxiety but but didn't (laughs) um it went really well I think people really loved it but so as far as like the the planning goes I had some 
like planning and brain like brainstorm session type of stuff with my husband and studio partner Josh and then um John who was someone we who helped us kind of with some of the planning for last year's conference but but I think in terms of like logistics and and putting it all together I probably did like 85 or 90 percent of it yeah um and then like the days of the conference we had like some staff and then um my husband josh did a lot and our our studio um the guy who works for us at our studio like matt he does a lot of our editing in studio so and he was our photographer like during the conference and um so i had i definitely had help during the conference which was great but i feel like the actual planning like ahead of time was mainly me but this year I'm trying to like (laughs) delegate a little more for my sanity so yes please um and you guys I'm going to be a speaker at next year's conference yeah which will be announced by the time this comes out so yeah um I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quickly tell people what I'm gonna be doing at the conference yeah and then tell we'll, we'll us talk. okay all right hey so guys I'm gonna be doing a talk and a workshop what double Dina um talking about my two favorite things which is Instagram and making products so the talk is all about selling products with relatable as fuck lettering because I think the biggest mistake that artists make is they focus more on the skills than they do the messaging and lettering is literally all messaging. So it's like, you guys are, you know, right. You're all drawing the same quotes, which is great for practice, but it's like, I want it to be relatable to an everyday consumer because there's a lot more everyday consumers and there are other artists out there. So stop trying to attract your competition because those are really not the people that are going to hire you. So I'm going to walk you through just how to (laughs) make and market, um, products so that way they actually like sell well on the internet but how to build an audience how to choose like the right lettering projects to add to your to shop it but more importantly talking about the marketing end of like how to trigger an impulse buy because that's really how you get people to buy things from you is they have to feel like the sense of FOMO like if I don't buy this thing right now I'm going to miss out and that's how I feel about your fucking conference Every time I see, every single time I see you mention it, every story, every time I see an artist talking about it, I'm like, Ugh! like last year I wanted to go so fucking bad, but it was like literally the same week that I was moving across the country. Right. I tried I to get her, you there. Oh, she, we were like DMing back and forth and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can make it work. I was, oh, I was killing me. It was, I was dying inside. Just so you know that I was just <laughs> so upset. Um, so <laughs> I definitely have experienced the FOMO, uh, but I want to kind of help you guys create that sign, like psychology with your own consumers and, and clients and customers. Um, the workshop though, is really all going to be about Instagram or calling it level up your lettering for Instagram, kind of like figuring out your artistic voice, your content strategy for Instagram. I am making actually right now this level up workbook for artists. Um, cause I've taught about social media marketing before and like my podcasts and previous courses, Um, but I feel like what I end up doing is I have these one-on-one coaching sessions with artists and I end up taking notes and I kind of create a workbook every single time I talk to them. And I'm like, what if I just made this thing and then you guys filled it out? Wouldn't that be way better? (laughs) Um, so that's going to be something cool that we get to pretty much by the end of the workshop, you'll have like a personalized outline for how to increase your reach and your engagement and your followers so that we can get more eyes on your work. So if that sounds cool, you should just come to the conference. And also you should come to the conference for all the other fucking people that are going to be amazing in teaching workshops and things. So you guys should uh, go to that. Just saying. You should. I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, she, she agree. I'll also be selling stuff as well. Uh, yeah. So you can give me money in all sorts of ways. I'm like, isn't that cool? Um, yeah. 
<laughs> so you can go to, so by the time this interview goes live, tickets will be available for the conference. It will be in Salt Lake City, June 8th through 11th. Uh, the pre-conference workshops will be on the 8th, and then the conference will be the 9th and the 10th, and a half-day market on the 11th, which will be open to the public. So we're going to have a great lineup of speakers, Dina included. So yeah. go to letterwest.com to find out more, or um, letter West on Instagram, which is letter underscore West because someone already took letter West without an under- underscore. So of course, I bet, I bet you it's an inferior yeah. profile. <laughs> well, it's, it's always... just like someone who's posted like twice and uh, they're not it's active always what at all. It is. So... They're, just, they're just like sitting on it. Drives me nuts. Right. So um, letter underscore West will take you to the right place. So yeah, yeah, you can go follow along news and updates there and photos and fun things. So I'm super excited for the next conference. Also, I'm going to have like a six-month-old baby. (laughs) So that will be a different level of craziness, but I'm excited. I I couldn't let like a year go by without doing the conference again. Like you got to keep that momentum going. So I'm like, I'm just doing this thing. Yeah, you're so badass, dude. (laughs) I don't know if you've gotten a compliment today, but you're really cool and I like you. Well, you you make me feel good about myself. So let's just keep Mm -hmm. talking. Oh, sweet. Okay, that's why I want everyone to feel that listens to this podcast or follows me in any way, shape, or form on the internet. It's like, you make me feel good about myself. That's all that I want, man. Um, all right, so go to Letter West. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be there. Let's let's drink. I'm I'm probably going to bring weed with me. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, and we can hang out. I'll fun. pretend I didn't hear that. I didn't say that. I said dweeb. <laughs> I'll have dweeb with me. Also known as my boyfriend. You guys can meet him. He's fun. Um, okay, so we talked about a lot of things in this episode. We've talked about there's other things we were gonna cover, but I don't wanna like have your brains explode too much. But we talked about failures, the pitfalls with feeling successful, not successful, all the things, what we do with copycats and competitors. We've really learned a lot. But Becca, if you had one piece of advice for creatives and failure, what would that be? Um Let's see. So I, what I, what I say a lot of times in talks that I give, which I don't give very many talks these days because I don't like leaving my son at home, but someday (laughs) I might do more talks. Um, You don't need to ask permission. If you want to start doing something, do it. Like if you want to start an event like Letter West, like a lettering club, do it. If you want to, if you try something and it doesn't work, like try something else. Like I think it's important to realize that failures help you find the right way to do something or the right thing that you need to be doing. Uh, So just keep going, keep at it and stay grateful because Mm. that will help you appreciate what you do have. Um, Every morning I try to meditate on or pray about three things I'm most grateful for in that specific moment. And I think it really helps keep my focus and my priorities in the right place. Like, especially when I don't feel like I'm not doing enough or have done something wrong or have failed, like it it just keeps me feeling like centered a bit. So I think that it's really helpful. Morning mantras, I think are really helpful too. So that's, uh, that was so, I feel moved. That was good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) No, like I think the feeling of uh, feeling grateful is such an undervalued, easy trick to make yourself feel better. Like they say that any time I've ever researched anything about depression or anxiety, feeling grateful comes up every single time. And I think it's anytime we're feeling insecure, we're not feeling good enough. We have to realize that we've come so far. Mm -hmm. And at one point, there's like this popular quote, it's like, uh, you know, like, 
you wish you were here five years ago. You know what I mean? But you're mm-hmm. still not grateful for where you are. So it's yeah. just like, you know what I mean? Like being really thankful, I think is, is really helpful. Also staying incredibly humble <laughs> is very important. Don't be egotistical asshole. Um, <laughs> like appreciate even the small victories in the beginning and know that, you know, this again, growing as an illustrator isn't a straight line. It, I don't, I don't even know what kind of line it is. It's, it's, it's just like ups fucking up downs. downs. It's going through different dimensions. It's going backwards. I don't know, man. It's going to go over the place, but it's so much fun because I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm really, really excited to find out. <sighs> All right. So aside from Letter West, is there anything else that we can promote for you? Um, I think that's it for right now. I'm uh, in the process of, of toying with the idea of, doing some products again I did some products a few years ago and then kind of let it fall away because I didn't want to keep it up but um yeah so I who knows when this when this comes out I may have some products can't promise anything but we'll see so all right I'm gonna talk to you about making products (laughs) I need to take your work up Oh my God, please. Yeah. Hey guys, we have a class on women of illustration called how to turn your art into products with Printful. Uh, Printful is an on-demand, print on-demand? That doesn't make sense. It's not like Comcast. It's a print on-demand service. So that way you guys can actually sell all different kinds of products on your website without actually having to ship or fulfill them yourself. It's awesome. And also there's a lot of marketing strategies and stuff that go into creating a product. So definitely consider taking that class. Or if you want to just take, take it from me in real life at Letter West, that's cool too. All right. Anything else, Becca? I think that I think we've covered a lot. All right. Well, I love you and you're special to me. And I feel like we're even closer now. Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for inviting me. All right. It's time to say bye. Goodbye, everybody. Follow Becca on the internet. (laughs) Go to Letter West and let's all be friends. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.